Bulletin Omaha. Live. You like that? Yeah. You like that? In the entertainment capital of the world. Rogers. In trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in it? In the end zone. It is caught for the win. Richard Rogers with a walk-off touchdown. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Play action. Awesome time. Deep shot for Parker. to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Oh, my goodness, the legend just goes on. The doctor is now in. How you like me now? 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 It is a magnificent Monday. Well, maybe for some. Manic Monday for others. Raise your hand, say aye. Okay. <laughs> T.C. Martin and Marco D'Angelo in the house with us on this Monday afternoon as we will recap NFL Championship Sunday from yesterday, the AFC and the NFC Championship Games. We have got ourselves a Super Bowl. That's the good news. The bad news is, well, we got to wait two weeks now, and we got to talk about it and hype it up for the next two weeks, but that's all right. So we'll dive into that today. And... Uh, Guest today, our good friend Trevor Manich will join us. We will uh, recap the championship Sunday with Trevor in a early look ahead to the Super Bowl between the Eagles and the Chiefs. So a lot to hit on today. Plus, Las Vegas Aces news, which uh, broke uh, over the course of the weekend. We'll dive into that today. And the UNLV runner Rebels victorious on Saturday night as they defeated the arch rival, the Nemesis the Nevada Wolfpack, the UNR Wolfpack, Reno Wolfpack, call it what you want. People still around here, are, uh, they get really defensive about, don't call them Nevada, you know? Well, it says Nevada on, on the jerseys. It says Nevada on the standings. It's a, They want to be called Nevada. Who cares? And, you know, I was like, okay, I, I'll go Reno. I'll do UNR this night. But now over time, I'm thinking like, who cares? You know, if they want to be called Nevada, who cares? Be strong in your own self and say, call yourself what you want. <laughs> Now, in spite, you're just doing Nevada? Yes. You're just doing it out of spite? Me? Yes. No, I'm thinking that, you know, you know me. I'm kind of, I like to be accurate. I like to be correct. And they are Nevada. They are, te- that is their university. They are, it would be Nevada, university. Reno. They're University of Nevada. Now, remember, I grew up in Sacramento. So yeah. I used to, you know, UNR, I used to go up there all the time. We used to go watch games. They're UNR. So, you know, People here like to say Reno, and but they they do it out of spite. Yeah, you know the longtime Rebels fans are like, "How can you call them the University? Of We're the real University." Well, yes, you're the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. They're the University of Nevada, Reno. But if they go to all the problem, the, all the trouble and money to spend, and you know want to call themselves Nevada, I mean, who cares? I mean, you're better than them, right? You know he's better than them. Both ways. Yeah, everything. There you go. So women get a victory. And shout out to our our, our good friend, Lindy Rock. Right? First ever sellout to Cox Pavilion. Yeah. And you were there. I was there. You liked it. It was fun. We, you finally got a hall pass to get out of the house and, and, and go see a women's college basketball game. Yeah. I'm impressed. You can't come to George Clinton, Parliament Funkadel. Can't come to concerts when I invite you. Can't come out to our favorite restaurants. But no, Lindy, t- go ahead and twist your sack and then uh, it gets you to show up enough of you marco d'angelo's in the house what's going on my man 
I don't know about these openings on Mondays. <laughs> Can I start coming in at two fifteen? <laughs> I'm having a flashback. We had something similar last Monday, right? It was what Boogie was... Nights uh, oh, all yeah. the time. Oh, yeah. Boogie Nights <laughs> are always the best in town. You like that. You know, why don't you do me a favor and just go back and suck it up and, and watch the movie, and then, then you'll kind of know what we're talking about. I've seen the movie, okay? I'm not <laughs> obsessed with it like you are. Did I send you? Yes, you did. It was you. <laughs> that, that I said the, I said a Boogie Nights uh, yeah. a gift, yes, right? Yes, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, was, I, said, I was texting a whole bunch of people last night, and then and I can't remember why I sent that to you, but <laughs> it was something you said, right? Probably. Let's go. There we go. There we go. Machine Gun Baby, Commodores. It's in the, like one of about 64 songs in that movie. Now, now I'm curious. What did Marco text me that I <laughs> I said that? You know? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. He said you got to... Uh, you were talking about the Bengal game or whatever. What was it you're, you were th- talking about throwing... Oh, you, did you send me another GIF again? I can't remember what he said. <laughs> talking about chased... You're talking about Higgins? Yeah. Yeah, The two throws, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he says, a live look at Zach Taylor's balls. (laughs) That's it. So, therefore, yeah. I go, what is it with you and nuts? Oh, and then you responded back with, okay, Mr. Boogie Nights. There you go. All right. (laughs) What's wrong with Boogie Nights? I don't know. Well, you're the guy who keeps sending me the same gif over and over. It looks like, you know, some. Some kids kicking somebody else in the nuts. Oh, get this. Me and Nubchuck's been around a while. So Marco was telling me that there's a guy on the strip, or used to be a guy on the strip, that would charge 20 bucks exactly. kicking yes. the nuts. You know yes. about this guy? Yes. It's I, true? You're like the only guy that does it. So <laughs> I may... Excuse me. I don't hang out on the strip and, uh, and looking at guys uh, getting kicked in the nuts for 20 bucks. I'm sure certainly Dude, I pay it's 20 the, bucks. It's the best 20 bucks if you just suffered a bad beat. I would go look for him. <laughs> I won't lie. I've done it. You've done it. I've kicked him. It really? Was, it was great. I did, no no holding back, and he's not wearing any like a no a cup, cup, no, no cup, nothing, no nothing. Okay, is this guy a tranny? Maybe that's it because it doesn't no. hurt that way, right? No. Maybe he's got some some different private parts where it doesn't hurt. I think he we just, didn't inspect him. Okay, I, I think he's just <laughs> immune to it. Think about it. He's been doing. I did it okay. four years ago. Okay, what does this guy get out of this? Well, obviously 20, 20 bucks, bucks, right? <laughs> Think about but 20 every- bucks is 20 bucks. <laughs> okay, here's what I want to know. How many of the guys, and, and be honest, okay, you have to have some mercy in your soul, right? Now, you're going to give the guy 20 bucks. Are you going to really just wind up in, 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 like you're punning out of your own end zone and let this thing rip? Or are you going to, oh, I don't want to hurt this guy. So you kind of do a 50% or a 20% kick? You're lining up for a game-winning field goal. Really? <laughs> really? I kicked a 65. Google it. I you cooked a 65-yarder. There, there's guys on there that have posted them. You know, they love posting it. Yeah. What Just, does this guy do after he after he receives the kick? I mean, he's not he, call, putting his hand up for a fair catch. <laughs> <laughs> what? All he does is he like he kind of like hops it off. Does he like? Oh, does, is there emotion involved? Sometimes. Or what? Yeah. What? If somebody's kicking hard, if you get like a Robbie Gold out there that's going to kick him in the nuts. <laughs> Sebastian Janikowski, a little sea bass there. You get, you get one shot and you don't always connect square. Uh, so, okay. Is this guy moving? No. He's standing there. I mean, I, I'm trying to get a visual. So, is he like spread his hold legs on. and so, like, what, what's he do? He's this way. 
Well, you, yeah. we're, we're doing radio. You're <laughs> <idiot>. <laughs> but I'm no, trying to let you explain okay, it. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So he's so basically he's standing there like he's um, blocking a penalty kick in soccer is what you're saying, <laughs> right? Except usually those guys always cover their nuts, if you notice that, right? <laughs> what? You can say nuts? Yeah. I mean, you know, planters, you know, yeah. peanuts, yeah. pistachios, yeah. you know. <laughs> oh, God. Is there, I hope there's somebody still out there listening. <laughs> you never know, my friend. And so this guy just willingly takes it to the crotch. And it's and there's normally a line. A line. A line. So what do you think this guy's bringing home a day? <laughs> Seriously. It's all cash money. What do you yeah. think? Yeah. What do you think? I mean, you said there's Hold a line. On. Is he doing eight hour shifts? I mean, <laughs> what's going on here? How long is this guy out there? Now, I have not seen him on the strip since COVID. And how do you even know cool. about this stuff? I don't see any billboards that say, hey, go kick the guy in the nuts for 20 he's, bucks. He's a street performer. He's yeah. just like the, the showgirls. But how do you guys know? I mean, you guys are walk, rolling up and down the strip. You walk the strip. Yeah. Used to see, he used to hang out at the carnival court. Um, (laughs) there and then you'd, you know, sometimes you'd see him downtown, but now downtown you got to buy permits and claim your circle on Fremont Street. Is this guy still around? I don't know. Probably. Yeah. I haven't seen him since, uh, you know, after the COVID. But you probably haven't been looking because you haven't been losing a lot. Of, well, then again, you have, you've had some, some bad If beats. I could have found him the, the, on the way to the game. New Year's Day, oh. the Mississippi State, oh. Illinois. I would have lit him up from seventy out, seventy <laughs> yards out. Let me tell you. So you you let it rip, let it, rip. and you didn't feel bad about the guy at all. Hell no. no. <laughs> How hey. old is this guy? Is he a kid? Is he adult? Twenty five, thirty ish. Twenty five, thirty ish. Wow. And you you got. <laughs> Uh, this is great live kick, radio. <laughs> kick, kick me in the nuts. He's got a sign out there. And so this is down there by on Fremont Street. So it's down there. This guy's not even flinching. I mean, Nupchuk's showing me. So I, this guy has it. And then he shakes the guy's hand. <laughs> hey, hey, this is too funny. Kick me in the nuts. 20 bucks. There you go. Cash only. I don't know. I did not plan on starting the show this way. Okay, I know you guys wanted me going a whole bunch of different directions, but I wasn't planning on that. But there you have it. All right. Uh, yesterday we had a one dud of a game with one exciting game, and uh, Marco, the the dud of a game yesterday with the, this Philadelphia and the Niners, thirty-one to seven. I don't know how you felt watching the game. Well, you had the Niners, yeah, right? Yeah. We both have the Niners. Okay, so you had to feel like I did. I felt like. It was so disappointing. It was, I was like numb watching this game. You know, a lot of times when you're watching a game, you're on the edge of your seat or you are, you know, you're really into it. And I got excited when the Christian McCaffrey run, because that was a great run to tie it up at seven. But then really after that, seriously, I was like numb. I was numb. And I went, you know, cause I had already resigned myself that I'm losing this bet, even on a teaser. Of getting, you know, 12 and a half points. Still, I resigned myself to a loser because Brock Purdy gets hurt, has the injury, uh, on the 49ers first series of the game. And, you know, we didn't really know the severity of the injury. I'm not saying that the guys at Fox didn't do a very good job with that, but we see him on the sidelines and just with a coat on. <laughs> 
And it's like, give it a shot. I mean, go warm up. And then, you know, we would see him, you know, after Josh Johnson came in. And, of course, Josh Johnson, 36 years old, been in the league 13 years, just one of the worst quarterbacks we've ever seen. He gets thrown into that situation. And then he gets a concussion. So now you're thinking, now what's next? Oh, it's going to be Christian McCaffrey. The running back is going to have to play quarterback. Because, again, Brock Purdy's a third-string quarterback. Josh Johnson's the fourth-string quarterback. And, you know, this is Josh Johnson's, like, fourth stint with the San Francisco 49ers. During his 13 years, he's had cups of coffee with the Niners on and off. But it was sad, actually, to watch this and knowing that it was a playoff game. Because, Marco, I've never, ever seen, ever, a playoff game, let alone a championship playoff game, where a team ran out of quarterbacks. And that's exactly what happened. This team ran out of quarterbacks. And when Josh Johnson got concussed, they had to bring Purdy back in instead of going with either McCaffrey or, um, you know, the, the fullback, you know, Yusek is going to have to come in. And they're like, do you see on the, on, they're looking at the play chart. Like, well, what can we call? What can we call? And so you bring Brock Purdy in and you see him throwing on the sideline. But then Shanahan didn't have him attempt to pass. It's like, okay, we've resigned ourselves to handing the ball off. It doesn't matter. First and 10, second and eight, third and 14, third and 16, going to hand the ball off. But for me, this was hard to watch. I felt for 49er fans, it was like you're watching like, you know, a softball game and, you know, the 10 run mercy rule is in effect. It's like, okay. You got a pitcher that's wild, throwing to the backstop. Okay, well, you take one, you quit stealing that. You just you quit advancing. It looked like the Eagles like, were in that mode too. And it was just pathetic to watch. That was, that's the way I took it. On the biggest stage. I mean, it's the yeah. NFC championship game. First, you feel bad for the 49ers. Um, I mean, you talk about being snake bit. You go through three quarterbacks during the regular season and then fourth string quarterback in the playoff game gets concussed. I think you're going to see some kind of rule change where teams are going to be able to have an extra player on the roster at the quarterback position as an emergency quarterback that doesn't count to the, you know, the 53 man roster. Well, they have that already. Your third string guy does that. He's, you know, he, he, he can come. The problem is they didn't have a third. That's so, that's why you keep three quarterbacks and you activate two of them. But there is that third guy. He is the emergency for what you're talking about. But that's out the window of the Niners because they only suited up two. Well, that's on them. Yeah. That's on them for one. For the thing that I want to start with Kyle Shanahan, mm-hmm. how in the world did you not challenge the first play? How did you not? challenge that fourth down play where they went for it and you see the team sprinting down field to get the playoff that right there you when the receivers let's go let's go you know he's he's telling you i didn't catch the football right what are you thinking that was huge mistake in a game where they would have had the ball back you know because that was fourth down they have niners had the ball midfield basically yeah yes Okay. And, you know, you can't say that, you know, the sequence of plays, but it's, you know, after the touchdown and then the kickoff and where they started, first, first drive, Purdy goes out. You don't know what would have happened, but that's the first mistake. And then it just became an unwatchable game. I'll be honest with you. The second half, I paid like zero attention to it. Yeah. I, I was at a casino. 
You know where I was at? It was at, uh, I'm at <laughs> Poker Mania. I'm at the poker table, and uh, I hope you got your money back. Yeah, I know you we, did. We we got we got most of it back <sighs> from San Francisco. We got it all back, and then some in the second game. But mm. that it's still not fun to watch, and especially, you know, like I said, you feel bad for the 49ers. What more could go wrong this season? And I'll tell you, for a brief second, when they did tie the score up, and I said, if they somehow win this game. Now what does this do to Brock Purdy? Because now it's oh, it's just the system, <laughs> you know. Right? Because they did go down the field and, and and tied the game up, but that was the end of it. Yeah, there was nothing after that. It was so hard to watch. Like I said, and then the Niners have to blame themselves for ten defensive penalties. Just a joke of the pass interference calls, and not a joke on. I'm not calling out the officials. I'm calling out the 49ers. It, they lost their cool. They lost their composure. And even before that, when they were in the game to extend drives and then, you know, that led to touchdowns because they couldn't get off the field on third and fourth downs. It was just sad the way they were playing. And then obviously as the game went on further, then they just lost their composure. They lost their cool and it was, it was insane. So I'm with you with Kyle Shanahan and I'll pile on here, but to go back to, that uh, non-challenge, okay, when it was fourth down and why the Eagles either didn't kick a field goal or punt or whatever because it was like fourth and six. Yeah. It was like, are you kidding me, early in the game? And then Hertz goes downfield to Devontae Smith and, like you said, juggles it, hits the ground, whatever, and because of the angles, they couldn't see it. So first of all, let's let's holler and blame the officials for not being able to see that. I don't want to hear that, okay, the one official who made the call – he was actually out of bounds, so he could not see because Smith's back was to that official. But there are six other officials that are on this field. How could somebody not see that? And like you said, the red flag is, hurry, hurry, hurry. And kudos to Jalen Hurts for getting down there and, and doing that. But that was the difference between Kyle Shanahan and Andy Reid. Because if you know, Andy Reid threw the challenge flag in the first quarter for the Chiefs. Right. And it didn't work, but it's like, wait a minute. It's like, I'm not going to let this team get momentum off the bat. And that's exactly what happened. You're you're right. Shanahan has got to do that. But now I'm going to pile on Shanahan because of the other play calling. And then when you have guys that are making the penalties and you should be spending time of yelling at your guys who with the excessive holding and the personal fouls and, and all that nonsense when you didn't need to do that, when your defensive line was doing their job and your linebackers were doing the job, but you got four or five idiots in the secondary who can't keep their hands off of receivers at the most important times of these games, you pull those guys aside. You don't pull an official aside and say, why are you calling that? No, you get on your own guys. But this is what we get with Kyle Shanahan. This is the same guy who is the offensive coordinator of the Atlanta Falcons who blew a 28 to 3 lead in the Super Bowl. Okay. They blew the game last year. Okay. To the Rams when they had it. They blew it before that, you know, uh, Super Bowl with the Chiefs. I mean, you look at this, this, this team and it's like they've got great players. You got a great system, but you have a young and I'm going to still say an inexperienced head coach who does not know what to do during the game. He's a horrible game manager. And again, that's why you have to root for guys like Andy Reid. I mean, there is night and day difference. I was talking about how we have these young, inexperienced coaches in the NFL, not just on these crappy teams, but on these good teams as well. And yeah, Shanahan 
probably cost them. And you've got to throw that challenge flag, but you have to have control of your own team. And what about at halftime? Make some other adjustments. And here's another thing. You're going to put Brock Purdy back in there. And you're going to say, okay, don't throw the ball. He's throwing the ball at halftime. He's throwing the ball on the sidelines. You saw him uh, attempt, I think, what, two passes, a little just dink and dunk. You've got to be able to be able to throw the ball at some point. Now, it's a nerve. It's, you get the tingling, this and that. And like an hour went by when you include halftime and everything else. And we start to see him throw the ball on the sidelines. So, okay, let him throw. Why is he even out there if he's only going to hand off on third and longs? I don't get it. That, that's on that's on Shanahan. I don't know. We're trying to protect him, this and that. Hey, listen, this is – you try to tell that to Boza. You try to tell that to Ward, and you try to tell to Christian McCaffrey, who just laid his guts out. That's who I feel sorry for, those 49ers, because Kyle Shanahan just waved the white flag way too early. He would have been better off if he wasn't going to throw the football with Brock Purdy. Go Wildcat. Go ahead and go Wildcat, and at least yeah. you can have— And McCaffrey's got experience with it, yep. especially in Carolina, yep. you know? Get something—because they had no shot. Mm. And, you know— uh, I was because I was so disgusted with the game. The, the play, once you saw what they were doing, is just keep hammering the, the live game under because there there was not going to be any. Philadelphia was content with the lead that they had, and San Francisco had no no chance of scoring. The only way that there was going to be any scoring is if San Francisco did try to throw the football, and if you happen to got a you know a pick six, that was the only concern you were going to have for more scoring. But for the biggest stage, the biggest game. You know, and all of the build up for it, it's just such a, it's, it's such a deflating thing. And like I said, you feel bad for the 49ers to be snake bit the way they were. And you think about, like you said, they lose the Super Bowl to KC just a few years ago. They're on their way back to the Super Bowl last year and blow that game late. And then you have this. Mm-hmm. Now it creates, you know, the big off season question. What do the 49ers do with their quarterback situation? We already talked that it was going to be dicey, but you know, now, now what do you do? You got three guys and can you really count on any of them? And the best one is the one you've been trying to send out of town for how long? Right. Right. Yeah. That, that's the question marks moving forward for the 49ers now that, you know, is Purdy your guy going forward? Because again, he was the hot guy. He was the most healthy guy and he had a great season. You know, coming in relief in the, those last, you know, 10 games, he, he was fantastic. So is he the man automatically? Well, now Garoppolo will be healthy. Lance will be healthy. You still put a, a, a truckload of money into Lance. I don't think he'll still be any good, but we know the Niners are tied to Lance for some odd reason. And they're started to show Garoppolo the door last year in the offseason and they brought him back and then actually end up, you know, being the starter and doing decent, and then he gets hurt, and then here comes Purdy. So now you got Purdy, and you've got a good part of this season as his audition process. But now, what are they going to do? It wouldn't surprise me if they look at a Derek Carr. It wouldn't surprise me at all. And you know what? Derek Carr may actually flourish with this team because of the great pieces. And people say, wait a minute, he had great pieces in, in Vegas. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Stop that, Okay. Josh Jacobs, you know, the Raiders thought so little of Josh Jacobs that they weren't even going to offer him a contract this year. Okay. He had, a, he had a breakout year. Good for Josh Jacobs. All right. Then you got Devonta Adams. He's a stud. There's no question about that. 
but it's a different franchise. It's different management. It's different. It's different everything there in San Francisco into the better side in all of that, you know, if we're being honest. And so they may look at, at, at a veteran, but you're right. I, I Who knows? Because right now you take all that and Brock Purdy's injured. It's like, well, hey, this is, this is nice, but now we're all going to start from scratch. And I don't even think they have a depth chart when they go into the OTAs or they go into training camp next year. It's not like, okay, Purdy's one, Garoppolo's two, or if he's even there. Or you know, I, I think they have a depth chart. If I'm a free agent quarterback, I'm looking at an NFC team. I'm not looking to stay in the AFC right. because look at look at the quarterbacks that you've got to deal with in the AFC in the teams. I mean, we're and I one of the texts that I sent you yesterday when we're watching the game, and I'm you know Joe Burrow those throws. Okay, my God, uh, they were nails, right? Mm-hmm. You yep. know, yep. And I'm saying the only the good thing about watching this game is knowing that we're going to see these two battle for the next ten years. Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then. Let's not forget, Josh Allen is still there. He might have taken a step back, but you got Trevor Lawrence up and coming. This is a deep, deep AFC. I want to be in the NFC. If you want to get to the Super Bowl, the path is going to be easier in the NFC right now. It seems that way, yeah. So if you're a Derek Carr, you're, you're looking at NFC teams. And there are plenty of openings, you would think, you know, that that, uh, that need a quality quarterback. So. Uh, Philadelphia, Jalen Hurts yesterday, he was banged up. You know, he wasn't at his best. He was 15 for 25, only 121 yards, did have a rushing TD. But, you know, when you look at Philly, and, you know, we're going to handicap this game for the next two weeks when we look at the Super Bowl with Philadelphia and Kansas City. But these are my quick thoughts on, on Philly. Again, I love Jalen Hurts. I, I like a lot of parts of this Philadelphia team. Uh, the wide receivers, especially, you know, with, with Smith and AJ Brown, the upgrade, you know, that position this year. Um, the, the, the running back core committee is they do it by committee and Gainwell has been fantastic. But really, when you look at Philadelphia, at least for me, they're really a, a benefactor of circumstances. They get the Giants on their home field and you, you beat them twice earlier this year and then you pound them again. So you get basically like a buy. And now you get San Francisco in this much anticipated NFC championship game. And what do you get? You get a team playing without a quarterback. Without a quarterback. They played without a quarterback. The opening series, Purdy gets hurt, and then you get Josh Johnson. So aren't the Eagles really a benefactor of of playing a San Francisco team that is nowhere near what we saw during the 12-game winning streak because they did not have a quarterback who was equipped to move the ball downfield. They faced a team that had a quarterback that could not throw a pass. And I'm, it's just, that's not making a joke. That's he. They would not allow him to drop back and pass. So it's an e- easy victory yesterday. And people are going to say, oh, they destroyed the Niners, this and that. Well, if you watch the game and understand the circumstances, it was like I said, it was like it was like a walkover. It was like having a forfeit. Seriously, that's what that game was like yesterday. How and Trevor Match will be joined this next hour. One of the things I want to ask Trevor is like, how well prepared are the Philadelphia Eagles for the Kansas City Chiefs when basically you haven't played a competitive game and you have the bye week coming up? 
in, in, in many, many weeks. You look at the quarterbacks they faced this year, and people talk about how good Philadelphia's defense has been. Well, they've played some of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. When they played guys that were capable, you start the season off at Detroit and Goff, who had a great year. Nobody knew he was going to have the year that he had. Uh, Detroit put up 35 points on Philadelphia. They played Dallas, the second meeting, when Dak's back. Dallas got 40. 40. Now, there were some mistakes in that game, but still, they put up 40 on the board. Uh, Rodgers put 33, 33 up on them. So the good, the good quarterbacks have picked this defense apart. We'll see what happens. Now, two weeks is going to help Jalen Hurts. It's also going to help, help Patrick Mahomes. Although, Patrick, what would you, would you say he was 80% yesterday? Not so, even, not even. You know, I, I'd say Patrick Mahomes is about 60% yesterday. He couldn't run. And here's the thing. People don't realize how difficult that injury was. And, you know, again, when we, we, we had quarterbacks, we had, you know, wide receivers on the show all last week talking about this. And it's like, if this was any regular season game, I don't care if it's week three, six, 12, 15, he's not playing. Right. He's not playing at all. And again, you know, we saw him get clipped a couple times and, he he hung in there, and for him to suck it up and make that run at the end, it was only a five yard run, but it was a game changer. And then you had the penalty on top of it, and we'll talk about that coming up next segment. But I don't think people really have any idea how much he was hurting, and you heard him talk about it after the game. Of course, you know, not going to say that leading up to the game because you might have that material out there. But this guy shouldn't have played that football game yesterday. It basically eliminated the threat of him running. And if he did run, it was always to the right. He couldn't do yeah. the pivot to go to the right. left. Um, yeah. So both guys are going to have two weeks. Hopefully when you get to the Super Bowl and to these playoff games, you want everybody at their best. You don't want to catch breaks. I know, you know, Philadelphia is not going to complain on, you know, the path they got. It is what it is. And they're in a Super Bowl. There's, a bunch of other teams sitting home watching right now that yeah. aren't, so they're going to take that. Yeah, injuries are part of the game. And like I said, from a handicapping standpoint, you can't handicap injuries. You can't handicap a, a, a team that doesn't have a quarterback. And you can't really handicap 10 moronic defensive penalties either. You can't. That Most of them in the second half, though, became – they were frustrated, like you said. They yeah. lost their cool frustration, and you start taking it out. And it got ugly there uh, at the end. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Marco D'Angelo, wagertalk.com is in the house. He joins us on Mondays and Fridays. We come back. We'll talk about the Chiefs and the Bengals. We've got sound. We've got audio. You'll hear from Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones, uh, Joseph Asaya, which was, uh, wow. That, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals linebacker who committed the personal foul penalty. We've got that. Maybe even hearing Jalen Hurts sing a little bit. You never know. We got all that for you coming up on the show. Trevor Maddich will join us next hour as well, too. And, uh, again, we've got, uh, we'll give you the latest, uh, regarding the offseason news and free agency with the WNBA and the Las Vegas Aces in a huge signing coming up on Wednesday that we'll talk about that. And the UNLV runner rebels, uh, victorious, both the men and the women over Reno. Uh, on Saturday. So that and a whole lot more to unpack here on this uh, Monday afternoon quarterback edition of the T.C. Martin Show. T.C. Martin. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. The doctor is now in, 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 in.
Tech Nina. Kansas City. You ready? You ready? Three, two, one, go. Welcome to the Red Kingdom. Yeah. Red Kingdom. They're partying today, partying last night. Get ready to go back to the Super Bowl. And the Chiefs were yeah. calling everybody out. They were saying, no one respected us. This and that. It's like, I don't know if I'm buying that. I mean, you got Patrick Mahomes. You got Travis Kelsey. You know, you've got you got a squad there. No doubt about it. And the Chiefs going back to the Super Bowl. 23-20 victory yesterday uh, over the Bengals. T.C. Martin, Marco D'Angelo in the house. And uh, it felt a little bit better, Marco, after that first dud of a game yesterday with the Eagles routing the Niners. Eh, I, I wasn't real confident betting the Chiefs and you know gave it out as our best bets. I don't know you. I think you were more confident than I was in that game. But, you know, you just saw with Cincinnati how well they've been playing and how well they've played against Kansas City. And while I'm watching the game, it just it had such a similar feeling to last year in that AFC Championship game where Kansas City jumps out to the big lead. Now, now it wasn't 21-3, but I don't know, you know, like it was last year. But when Kansas City's going down, and then they got to settle for three, and then they're going down again. And they settle for three. It's like six nothing. I'm going, dude. They're they're one touchdown away from being behind in this game, even though they thoroughly dominated the first quarter. So for me, I just never felt comfortable with the Chiefs yesterday. The six nothing. The minute they kicked the second field goal, I texted my buddy and I said, "This is the most dominating six nothing <laughs> right. game that I have seen in a long time." And you, as a sports better, you've been around long enough to know that's not a good mm. spot to be in because, you, as you said, you're one play away from losing when you've absolutely dominated from there. The th- two times that I felt uncomfortable in the game was going into halftime. When Cincinnati was able to engineer that drive and get points on the board, it was a good thing they held them to the field goal. It could have been a touchdown, but that definitely was a momentum changer. Cincinnati, you know, showed that we're not going away and they went right down the field. So I was a little bit concerned. I said, we need to come out in the third quarter and have a statement drive for the first, for the second half. And what did we get? We got a three and out by, by KC. So I wasn't comfortable at that point. And then those throws. By Joe Burrow. I mean, what was one third and fourteen and third and sixteen? Yes. Okay. Yes. I, I mean, forget the down and distance. You're not supposed to convert those, but those passes were absolute missile rockets that were right on target. The only guy that could, there was both there was good coverage in both of those. He put it at the only spot that the receiver could make the catch and give Higgins and, and Chase, you know, all, especially the one that Higgins caught. Mm-hmm. That was just incredible to go up between two guys and bring it in. Going to be exciting to watch this team for a few years. But the thing that told me that why I was so high on Kansas City, and it did play out somewhat, last week it was Cincinnati, the team with the chip on their shoulder. And even though this game was in KC, Kansas City – did feel disrespected in this game. The way the market was moving back and forth, they knew they were an underdog to start the week. They closed as a favorite. They played the motivational card, the bulletin board stuff. They did. You know, I always talk about third down conversions. To me, that is one of the the most telling stats. And Cincinnati was so dominant against Buffalo on third down. 
and they had third and longs and they had third and medium ranges and they converted just about everything last week. And then again, deja vu. They did the same thing. They converted six of 14 on third down, then one for one for fourth down. So if you look at, they've converted seven of 15 on third and fourth downs yesterday and a lot of those third and longs. And to me, it just says, okay, that's Joe Burrow. That's the receivers getting open. It's a lot of it's on the Kansas City defense as well, too. But that's clutch. And a team usually doesn't lose when they convert basically 50% or close to 50% on that. So while this game is unfolding in the second half and we're seeing Cincinnati come back, and then when they tied the game, they were down 20 to 13 and they had that long drive and they tied it up at 20 20. Especially a 95 yard drive. Uh, it was just f- phenomenal. And at that point in time, Kansas City is out of receivers. San Francisco's out of quarterbacks. You're basically out of receivers in, in, in Kansas City. Mahomes is limited. And again, I'll use that term again, gingerly. They were just approaching everything very gingerly and it didn't look good. But the Kansas City defense came up with two big time interceptions on Joe Burrow, which really ended up to, to be the difference maker. So we're at 2020. There were five possessions where each team had a chance to take the lead and probably win the game with the final score. And in those three previous games that we had talked about before, all three-point Cincinnati victories between the two teams of the last two seasons, including last year's AFC Championship game, it was the mistakes by Kansas City at the end. Well, it happened to be the mistake by Joe Burrow with the interception and uh, and some big-time stops by the Chiefs, where in those last five possessions, Cincinnati had it two times. They couldn't couldn't move it downfield. And then the Chiefs had it for three possessions. So on that last possession, um, there were 17 seconds to go. And right before that, they got the Sky Moore uh, punt return, which was huge. Mm-hmm. No holding penalties uh, on that one. There was one earlier. And they returned it to, to midfield to the 50-yard line. So now they face you know big third and four with uh, Patrick Mahomes. What is he going to do? Again, with the game tied, 17 seconds to go, the play of the game was this. I, I mean, right now, it favors that, but you still got a chance to clock it. Take your time and take the shot down. Here's Mahomes rolling out on third and four. He's going to go for the yes. He's got the marker. He's got the out of bounds to stop it. And Osai was hurt as he hit the bench. And a flag's coming in to put him 15 yards closer. Oh, my gosh. The only time he had to use the legs fully, he turned on and he put it on himself. And that's going to put them in position to get. Personal foul, unnecessary roughness, defense number 58. And that 15, 15 yards. yards from the end of the play. He's going to take this all the way foul. into an inside of about 40-yard field goal attempt to go to the Super Bowl. There it is. I mean, you put the ball inside the 25-yard line. Uh, Harrison Butker, he's had some, some moments, some good and some bad. Uh, but, uh, again, the Joseph uh, Osiah penalty just backbreaking. And you talk about feeling sorry for the 49ers yesterday. You kind of felt sorry for Osiah after the fact, but I mean, just a boneheaded call. And here we go again. I mean, just, you know, we talk about the Niners making, losing their cool. You know, you know, Eli Apple had a bad penalty. Pass interference that extended the Chiefs' drive earlier uh, for Cincinnati, and then Osiah does that. That was just brutal, and you basically handed the Chiefs a game because you know with that gain, 
the Chiefs probably are still not in field goal range. They're not. And they got, it is there eight seconds left. We're going to overtime. Right. We're going to overtime. So that sets up Harrison Butker, 45 yards, four degree temperature. <laughs> and we had a little drama. And here's how it ended. Here's Butker. There it is. The 45 yarder got a lot of height on that thing. And if you looked at the flags on the goalpost, they weren't even moving at all, but, uh, that got it done. And safe to say that if it wasn't for that unnecessary roughness late hit penalty on Osaya, could still be in overtime, Marco. Absolutely. It was the right call. 100%. I know there was a lot of, you know, talk, uh, on, uh, Twitter yesterday. Everybody, you know, with the referees and, no problem with that call, 100%. I felt if you're a Cincinnati Bengal fan, better, whatever, the play where they got the mulligan, where the referee tried to stop the play, but the play didn't get stopped, and Kansas City got stopped, you think they're punting, and I'm like, oh, God, you know, here we go. Now yeah. you're giving the ball back to Joe Burrow, and then the referee's coming in, you know, after the fact. That was a little bit puzzling, and – if you remember when I thought when he said the penalty when they stopped the clock and everything before they ran that play and he said we'll start the clock on my he said it wrong right what he said the game guy did he started the clock which he shouldn't have started the clock only the play clock should have been started and that's why so the referee made made a mistake and had to correct his own mistake and that's what cost Cincinnati but then the ensuing play you get the uh interference call right that that was the back you know the total back break so for people that are they're saying that kansas city got a break on that see i'm not i'm not buying that at all because you thought that while you were watching the game at that time but if you saw the wide angle where they came back and they showed that the back judge came in and he was he was calling timeout yeah. so he called timeout no different than a coach calling a timeout at the last second, and we've you know talked about what you know the stuff drives me nuts about you know it looks like oh it's going to be delay game penalty and they call a timeout or the guy comes in, so no one who's watching on television could see that because you know again the cameras are tight at that angle where you're looking at the line of scrimmage and that sort of thing nobody heard a whistle but then when they replayed it and they showed the wide angle clearly mm-hmm. the, the ball the uh, the whistle was blown and the official came in waving before the snap could happen so people got to let that go because Kansas City did not get a break that the, it was just the television coverage was so poor on that and they didn't do a good job of explaining it you, and you hit the nail on the head the referee explained it wrong to begin with and that's why the back judge came out and said whoa, whoa, whoa wait a minute no you're wrong let's let's you know let's get this straight so kudos to the back judge they got the call right they did it, but you know and then the frustration of the you know the holding call on um Eli Apple yeah. it, you know that was that was the background. That kept that driveway because if Kansas City's punting there, Cincinnati might. Oh get, yeah, no doubt, no yeah. doubt, yeah, no doubt. So it definitely was a game changing thing. It was the right call, but it it just seemed like during the course of the game that Kansas City was getting the benefit of the call. The way the game flow went with it, there was a couple plays where there were questionable. Was that holding? Wasn't holding? But 
late talk- late hit on Burrow too, right? Late late get, get called. And then people were complaining about the intentional grounding. That I was screaming intentional grounding the minute the play happened. It there was, was yeah. there was not an eligible receiver in anywhere there. They were all linemen. He threw it at the feet of yeah. linemen, and he wasn't. Out and of remember, the if it touches a lineman. It, then it, it's that, there. There it is, right yeah. there. It's intentional grounding. So can't, can't hit the back of a lineman. But people that were screaming on that when they were totally, yeah. you know, off base. And as far and when you get Trevor on, you know, you can call holding on almost every play. Okay, mm-hmm. there's some degree of holding. It's where do you call it if it's blatant? You know, when the guys get, you know, when you see the arms extended and you see it, you have to call it. But there, there's holding on every play. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes, very excited, jubilant Patrick Mahomes after the game. Hey, first of all, like I said, I want to thank God, man. He, he healed my body this week uh, to battle through that. He gave me the strength to be out here. But uh, I just want this team, man. We played together. I said it from the beginning. When we were in the locker room, I said, we got to be together. And this team stepped up against a great football team. And uh, we showed this place that's Arrowhead. It's not Burrowhead out here. Patrick Mahomes, uh, very excited after the game. And then uh, Mahomes went on to talk about uh, thoughts on the Eagles, thoughts on going to the Super Bowl. They're a great football team. I've, I've watched them all year long. Great quarterback, great entire team, man. It's going to be a great a great challenge for us. Uh, but I'm going to celebrate this one first. So uh, I'm going to make sure I get back on my team. I don't think we have any cigars, but we'll be ready to go at the Super Bowl. All right, there's uh, Patrick Mahomes, uh, very excited. You know, Patrick Mahomes had talked about, you know, being an underdog, and we talked about how this line, you know, changed and went back and forth, and it ended up being Kansas City, you know, favored by two, which, you know, they covered, barely, but they did. But here's Patrick Mahomes after the game talking about being the underdog in this AFC Championship game, despite the game being in Kansas City. As we're probably the most pumped up I'd seen them going into a football game, uh, a lot of trash talk coming from a lot of different places. I think no one picked us to win. If so, it was like 5% of people. Um, and uh, we think we've built up enough uh, enough respect to, to have a chance to go out and win every game. So uh, whenever you feel like you're the underdog, when you're playing at Arrowhead Stadium, uh, it gets guys ready to go. Is it in particular they said the Arrowhead stuff? Yeah, I mean, you got Burrowhead. You said, I mean, they beat us last time. They were talking about we, we got to play them. There was a lot of stuff. I mean, the mayor came at me, man. I mean, I mean, I understand he's the mayor of Cincinnati, so he has to think about something. But uh, I mean, it's it, it's something that you just got to play the football game and then let your play do the talking. You know what that is for Patrick Mahomes? That's Mahomes getting comfortable in front of cameras and doing the State Farm commercials. You know, he's 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 he would have never said that a few years ago. No, he wouldn't. But this is. This is it. And that's why I say, and Joe Burrow's the same way. Okay. It's hard to believe that Joe Burrow's only been in the league a couple of years. Okay. Yeah. The guy is so, you know, so cool out there. And then you got Mahomes. Think about it. Uh, Joe Burrow almost to a second Super Bowl in back to back years. Patrick Mahomes, what's this? Three and five years? Yeah. Well, yeah. Three and four years, actually. Yeah. So yeah, it'll be three and four years. Travis Kelsey, always a great soundbite. <laughs> He had something to say immediately after the game. Yeah, I mean, first off, I just want to thank God, man. Leave it to Travis Kelsey. There it is. Interrupted the CBS interview with uh, Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick Mahomes is one, you know, thank the Lord, this, that. And here, here comes Kelsey. 
cover it up. Seven second delay. Get ready. But he kind of kept it kind of PG. Yeah. And again, you know, the Cincinnati uh, was calling this. Oh, it's, it's, and this came from the Bengal players last week. I remember calling it Burrowhead because they were three and oh against the Chiefs. Uh, bulletin board material uh, for Kansas City. But, uh, Travis Kelsey, uh, you, you never know what you're going to get with him. But again, that's, that's the beauty part of this as well, too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was cracking up whenever, you know, he dropped the, the other one in here calling the mayor, the mayor of Cincinnati. You didn't have that on the song. That was the best oh, part of it. It's coming. Oh, it's coming. Here, here's Travis Kelsey talking about the mayor. <laughs> hey, I got some wise words for that Cincinnati mayor. Know your role and shut your mouth, you jabroni. You gotta fight for your right to Bust out a little beastie voice as well, too. Congratulations. You got to love that. Uh, yep. Yeah, Travis Kelsey uh, making a statement. Those uh, Chiefs fans uh, just love that. And come on. That, that's a lot of fun. How much grief do you think the mayor got uh, after the game oh, today? From Tons. Uh, yeah. Tons. And then even like Patrick Mahomes, when he said, well, he's got a lot of deal. He's got Cincinnati. He's like, uh, you know, Cincinnati is, is you know. You're from Pittsburgh. There's, that's not far. Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Cincinnati, that whole yeah. corridor back there. I mean, Cincinnati is, you know, I, I, you know, when Dusty was managing the Reds, I got a chance to spend some time back there. There's parts of Cincinnati that I like, but man, there's, there, there's some other parts of Cincinnati as well, too, that I'm not crazy about. Food guy, did you at least have Skyline Chili? I can't you? stand the Skyline Chili. <laughs> are you kidding me? I love Skyline no, Chili. You guys Come are, on. You guys. You need you need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. You don't put spaghetti in chili. Yes, it's spaghetti in chili. There's no place for that. I think we hit a nerve. Oh my god! I had it. I had that's dinner last night. Skyline <laughs> chili? Would you have it uh, well, shipped to you? It was no. It was Lori chili and spaghetti. Yes. I hate. I, I'll show you the pictures. Uh, out no, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. <laughs> We used to make fun of that back. Like, are you kidding me? And this, it's, it really is disgusting. So you've disgusting. never, so back home in Green Bay, you never had chili. Back ma- home. Remember, I'm not from okay, Green Bay. I, you, you know what I mean? While I you were in 12 Gre- years there. While you were in Green Bay, you never had chili mac. Chili mac? Chili mac. No, I had chili a lot, but that's good chili, but not chili mac. What, macaroni and cheese? No, it's, it, it's like macaroni noodles with, it's the same thing as skyline chili, but it's chili mac. You just mix it all together instead of putting it all on top. Okay, now, okay, yeah, I, I would put some of my my little noodles, you know, in that sort of hey, thing. Hey, guess what? That's the same thing as Skyline but Chili. But I don't put it in. I put it on the side and devour it with butter. There it is, yeah, yeah. But Skyline Chili, when you look at it, it's just, it's just a conglomerate mess, you know? <laughs> well, that's what chili is. Oh, chili's good, though. When you have the right mixes in there, and uh, you don't put spaghetti in chili. Forget about it. I don't know. Uh, all right, we'll have some more uh, some more sound a little bit uh um, later on with that. But, uh, yeah, there's Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. And, uh, maybe we'll even get some Eagles singing as well tomorrow. That, we're going to definitely have to keep the Eagles singing for a terrible Tuesday tomorrow. <laughs> and Terry Bradshaw, what was he doing? Oh, nothing. It's like the Niners. It was that, is that whole three hour window. You just felt bad. It was just <laughs> disgusting to watch. And that was an NFC championship game. I don't know. Marco D'Angelo. You gonna stay? You gonna hang with us? I'll hang with you. <laughs> you don't have to. I mean, after I just ripped your chili, I think he probably wants to leave. That's, that's, that's quite all right. Trevor Match is gonna join us next. We'll get his thoughts on both games as well, too. And then we'll come back with some more analogy 
And uh, yeah, two weeks to hype up the Super Bowl 57 with the Chiefs and the Eagles. All right. Travis Kelsey, what are you saying right now? Fight for your right to party. Entertainment capital of the world. It's the TC Martin Show. It's been a great third down defense the last two weeks. The Steelers have got an interception and a run back all the way home. It's Spillane with the touchdown on the pick six. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, TC Martin. Mahomes drifting downfield, intercepted. His first of the season, Jeff Heath comes away with it. Doctor is now in. Patrick Mahomes victorious. He's going back to the Super Bowl third time in four seasons. It is the Chiefs and the Eagles. February the 12th. See, I'm not a fan of this two-week thing. You know, we're not conditioned that way. We're week, 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 week it. And then we stop. But we need the Pro Bowl. We need the Pro Bowl. Stop it. There's no Pro Bowl. Remember that. There's no Pro Bowl. Pro Bowl games. Is Pro, that what yeah, they're calling games. it now? Yeah, it's terrible Tuesday tomorrow. Stay tuned for that. <laughs> TC Martin, Marco D'Angelo in the house today on Monday. Marco, kind enough to visit with us on Mondays and Fridays. The bookend. I don't know what he does during the middle of the week. Probably eats a lot of Skyline chili. That's probably it. I don't know. All right. Uh, Trevor Maddich going to join us. My man. As uh, we recap what our eyes saw yesterday, the AFC and NFC Championship games, we got some more audio coming your way from that game as well, too. So we've got all that uh, happening. Don't forget, Friday, we are at the Westgate, our Friday home. We look forward to that. Come on out, see the show live, 2 to 4 p.m. at the world-famous Superbook at the Westgate Las Vegas. All right. Best bets. I was 1-1, Marco. How'd you do? I was one and one. I just was looking to see. Trevor was one and one, and, yep. our, and our boy Scott went two and up. Yeah, of course, yeah, because Scott did have Philly yeah. and San Francisco. So there you go. Scott. Philly and Kansas City. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Speaking of which, the big offensive lineman, the 15-time Emmy Award winner, does a great job with ESPN. Trevor Mattis joins us now. Trev, what's going on, my man? I am mad uh. <laughs> at that Bengals linebacker that showed – Mahomes, when he was out of bounds, that turned what might have been a 60-yard field goal into a 45-yard field goal, and Kansas City wins on a walk-off, and I'm not 2-0. Yeah, yeah. Because you know what? I mean, who knows? I I was hoping it would go to overtime, and Cincinnati would win. The score was tied at the time, so it's not necessarily that thing, but I'm mad at that guy because I wanted to be 2-0, right, Marco? Uh, Yeah, you you were there. That was a coin flip game. Trevor, what do you do as a teammate? When somebody makes a bonehead play like that, I mean, it, you know, I know it was a bang bang play, and he's trying, you know, trying to stop Mahomes, but that was the game, that fifteen yard penalty. Yeah, as a teammate, you need to keep yourself and your teammate focused on what has to happen the next play. The problem was the next play was the game winning field goal, so that was that. And there were some Bengals that that popped off about the stupidity of that play, and then they had to apologize for it. But they were right. I mean, they were right to pop off about it. <clears throat> you talk to them, you know, you don't, need, you don't even really need to talk to them. There are some things you need to talk to a guy about. But this is one of your team leaders, right, Osai? And he is not a guy that needs to be schooled on what needs to happen. He, he made a just absolutely bonehead play 
Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if what he was trying to do was add a little bit more pain to that ankle injury of Patrick Mahomes so that if he came back in and ran another play, he'd be hurting even more. But this is one of those plays that, you know, Bengals fans, I think, lump into uh, a whole bunch of plays of calls that went against them. A lot of them were the right call to go against them. Some of them were not the right call, in my opinion. And there were some non-calls on the Chiefs that should have been called in the Bengals' favor. So I can see where Cincinnati fans are up in arms about it. But this particular one, Mahomes was clearly running out of bounds. He was clearly out of bounds when Osai then hit it. And so it was one of those things where you don't even really need to say anything to Osai. He knows the ramifications of this. I mean, you can't really add anything to what he already knows. And the thing about it is, too, people, it was a late flag, and he pushed him right out of bounds, and then he did the two-hand shove. And that's when you know you could clearly see that both feet were well beyond the white. He was clearly out of bounds. And if he doesn't do the two-hand shove there, th- then th- it doesn't get called. But it just seemed like, he, like you said, Trevor, it was like the frustration. He got this gainer. Obviously, I don't think he maybe knew where they were on the field because he was just fine right there. Cause, cause he first he pushed on with the left hand and then there was another step and there was a two hand shove. And then that's why the flag, you know, came out a little bit later. And that's why when you heard Jim Nance's call, it was like, you know, Oh, and there's a flag, you know, so yeah, just bonehead move. You got to know where you're at on the field. You got to know, you know, everything. I mean, time, distance, yeah. as we know, so, it just, it just seemed like, yeah, it was, is inexcusable. So for any Bengal fan or any football fan to, to say that wasn't a penalty or try to defend that action, it's, it's nonsense. No, and it was dangerous because Mahomes, who yes. already yes. had a bad ankle, was flying out of bounds onto the ground and, and into a bunch of people. Equipment down there so In, was, into the Bengals they, bench, by the way, too. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. yeah it, it was dangerous. Yeah. So you got to ask yourself, what's the penalty for a personal foul? Is it 15 yards? Well, maybe it's a Super Bowl berth. We don't know that, you know, it, because we don't know what would happen the next play. I mean, they had 17 seconds when they snapped the. I think it was 17 seconds when they snapped the ball. The next play uh, for the field goal, they just had no timeouts. I think that's the way it was. But the but the point is that. Uh, they would have been 15 yards back. It would have been a much, much longer field goal attempt, a much lower percentage field goal attempt instead of a 45 one if they didn't gain any yards on the next play, you know, and didn't go to kick it right then. So these are all what ifs. So we can't say directly that this cost them the Super Bowl. Plus, all we would have had is a tie game that would have gone to overtime. So we don't know that Cincinnati would have won in overtime, but this is the what if of Cincinnati fans, of the Cincinnati team, and of that particular player. That the, the penalty for that, that personal foul wasn't just 15 yards. It was a potential Super Bowl, Bowl berth. And, and not knowing that it wasn't a Super Bowl berth that it cost him is something that's going to haunt that player for the rest of his career and the rest of his life. You saw Joseph Asai just mad, weeping, feeling bad, put his helmet back on. He was consoled by some teammates. Uh, he realized, you know, what he did. Uh, he actually gathered himself a little bit and got a chance to talk in front of his locker after the game. Here's what he said uh, about the play. It was great knowing that I had my the support of my teammates, and um, I just gotta, I gotta, like Sam was saying, I gotta learn from experience and 
um, I got to know not to not to get close to that quarterback when he's close to that sideline. If, if it's anything that could uh, possibly cause a penalty in a dire situation like that, I got to do better. I was just in full chase mode, and I was trying to um, was trying to push him to maybe um, get him going backwards because I knew he was going for that sideline. I was trying to make him go backwards, get that clock running, but. Um, I, I didn't know. I, I haven't seen it yet. I didn't know how far out of bounds we were. But, um, yeah. Didn't know how far out of bounds he was, Trevor. I mean, you buying that one? No. Yeah. You know, because that's, that's, I mean, one thing that always astonishes me when I watch football now is not the violence. It's like, well, I used to do that. Really? Uh, that That doesn't astonish me. What astonishes me is not how fast they go. It's how suddenly they stop. When the whistle blows, you go from trying to rip the living body apart of one of the greatest athletes in the world on the other side of the ball from you to stop, right? That that always just surprises me when I watch it. And when a guy's going out of bounds, uh, you, you know where he is and you know where you are. And so, you know, the fact that, you know, he says that he wasn't sure where he was, well, also have a little bit of awareness. Patrick Mahomes fully healthy might have stuck his foot in the ground and cut back into the field of play. But Patrick Mahomes that's hopping around on one leg all game and you've been watching him do it, you've been hitting him and sacking him and pressuring him, Joseph Osai. Uh, and all of a sudden now he's running for the first down marker. He's got the first down marker. And you know he's not going to cut back inside. You err on the side of caution on that one. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just don't – I just – I just don't see that as a play where he can credibly say that he wasn't sure where that guy was. He just wanted to hit Patrick Mahomes, and he was going to hit Patrick Mahomes. To me, it's in some ways that level of frustration or more even selfishness that we saw with Trent Williams with the 49ers at the end of that game with the Eagles, where they were getting all chippy and, you know, they were almost fighting. And all of a sudden Trent grabbed a, an Eagle, a little Eagle, one of the smaller guys on the defense and literally just threw him onto the ground. Body slammed. It was a fantastic, outstanding body slam. Um, unfortunately, the rules of football front upon that kind of thing. And he got ejected from the gate for it, but that was just out of pure, utter frustration. Right. And he knew he shouldn't have done that. And um, it was the same kind of thing. That didn't cost him the game. Obviously, the game was long over. But when Osai hit Mahomes there and the announcer said, eh, flag is out, I- I'm thinking this is a classic, eternal, bonehead moment that will live in infamy for a program, for a franchise. Yeah. I mean, it kind of takes you back to Leon Lett and the mistakes that he made with Dallas. And this poor guy, I mean, and he's uh, he seems like, a you know a pretty kind of humble quiet guy and he realized he made a mistake uh it didn't seem like one of these hothead guys but just he lost time and place and that's uh you kind of you kind of you kind of feel bad for him you do because like you said he's gonna have to wear this not only during the entire off season but you know um maybe the rest of his career especially with the Bengals you know if he's on this team moving forward they don't get back to another Super Bowl because like, you, hey, you you may have let a, a Super Bowl ring slip away. I remember, yeah, and that's possible. I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, I, I was going to say, Trevor reminded me. Do you remember the playoff game between the Steelers and the Bengals when Antonio Brown got taken out by Barflick on a perfect, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And that wasn't the trip to the Super Bowl, but Pittsburgh advanced with that 
play in the penalty, and then he didn't have Antonio Brown because of the concussion the next week. And I still say that's why they lost the playoff game to Denver. No question. Hey, we 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 haven't heard from that guy, have we? No, Perfett. I mean, he's been been long gone. Hey, go ahead, Trevor. Yeah, well, it's the it's the what if of it. Yeah, um, you know, it's it's the what if of it all that that really that really gets you. Because there are, I mean, you could make a case that, you know, if you knew exactly that this play led to this result, then, you know, then you either know that you messed up or you know that you dodged one and it wasn't your fault because of the way it turned out. You know, kicker misses a a 25-yard field goal, but you end up winning by one. Okay. Or the kicker misses a 25-yard field goal and you end up losing by one. It's a different thing. Or... Kicker misses a 25-yard field goal in the fourth quarter, which forced your team, instead of running out the clock, to have to go into desperation, throw the ball down the field mode, and you know, and things change and things happen. So every cause has an effect. Everything that happens in a football game affects the next things that happen. And so you know, we he won't be able to say that this cost us a Super Bowl berth, but it is it, it cost them a chance at the Super Bowl berth. And that what if is part of what will haunt him. No doubt. Trevor Madge joins us. Trev, we talked with you last week, as well as our quarterback, Steve Berline, wide receiver, Mike Pritchard. And you guys all said the same thing in regards to the Patrick Mahomes injury. Cause I asked all three of you guys about playing with that type of injury. And I don't, and we finally now hearing Patrick Mahomes after the game say how much pain he was in and he would have never probably been able to play or if it was a regular season game, whether, whether it was week three, 10, 14, whatever, he, he wouldn't have played. Tell me what you saw yesterday as he is trying to navigate his way through this game yesterday in regard to the high sprained right ankle. I saw a guy that just gutted out, uh, Got it out of game in, in a way that, that people don't understand because a high ankle sprain is its own unique kind of misery. It doesn't just give you great pain. The pain escalates exponentially as you put pressure on it. In other words, when you're standing there, it might just ache. But all of a sudden, if you put some pressure, some sideways pressure on your toe, on the end of your foot, it, it will go from zero to 100 miles an hour right now. And then that's just with a little bit of pressure. Now, all of a sudden, you put the pressure of actually having to cut and move, and that thing spikes exponentially from there. And so it's uh, it's not just the pain you deal with. It's the debilitation. It's the weakness that it causes. And you put those things together with a player who is accustomed to to, to juking and, and making fakes and making cuts at weird angles and things like that. And his body muscle memory goes to do that, and his ankle betrays him. And it betrays him in that he can't make the move. The rest of his body won't move as far as fast as he wants it to go. But it also betrays him in biting him with that pain as that muscle memory as he tried to make this move kicks in. And so I I thought that he was beyond magnificent in that game because I know what it's like. I mean, I've had that injury. There's an offensive lineman that's different from a quarterback, certainly. But I I understand what it's like to play with that. I understand what it's like to play with other injuries, too, where it's just a, a steady state of debilitation where you are, okay, you're at 80% right now and that's all you can do. So that's what you do. You're at 70%. That's all you can do. But this high ankle sprain will is, is a sliding scale that spikes and then comes down and then spikes 
and then comes down. It's a, it's a really hard thing to play with. And I'll tell you what, Mahomes, you know, I, I don't think that the offense of the Chiefs won that game. I thought it was the defense. And if there's the biggest superstar of that game wasn't Mahomes, actually, it was Chris Jones, the defensive lineman for the Chiefs. But when you look at Mahomes for what he did, in order to do just enough so that their defense was able to win it for him, Mahomes deserves all the accolades that he's been getting. I just wish Jones would get more. And just to put a stamp on this injury here and, and what he did yesterday, and correct me if I'm wrong, Trevor, but your recovery time for this with just rehabbing and, you know, in, in getting rest is like three to four weeks, right? And he came back and he played. Now the Super Bowl is two weeks away. Uh, how, how good does he have a chance to really fully or, or recover before the Super Bowl, or is this still going to linger even though he'll be playing, you know, 13 days from now? In my experience, it'll be worse. It'll be worse. Wow. They'll take care of him on the practice field, but high ankle sprains don't just, it's not like a pulled hamstring. You know, that you can, you can treat it and it'll, it'll just, it might get a lot better over the course of a couple of weeks. It will usually get a lot better over the course of a couple of weeks, unless it's a really bad tear um, of a pull. But with a, with a, with a high ankle sprain, it, it takes time, man. And there's no substitute for the time except to have that tightrope surgery, which is where they literally put a couple of, of metal cables in your ankle that connect to bones in your high ankle area. <clears throat> they don't mash the bones together. They just support the bones so that the ligaments that have been injured aren't stressed as much. Uh, when those bones flex, the ligaments are supposed to, you know, protect those bones from moving in different directions. Those ligaments now are injured. And when, when you move in certain ways with a high ankle sprain, things go south. You put in that tightrope surgery, it stabilizes those bones and it takes some of the pressure off of the injured soft tissue so you can get back into the game sooner. We've seen that happen with a bunch of college players, uh, in recent years. And, uh, but I don't think they're going to do that. I, I, I don't think there's enough time to recover from that tightrope surgery. And based on what I know about high ankle surgeries, I think that the, that he probably aggravated the injury greatly in the game against the Bengals and that the best he could do is have it not get worse in practice and have to deal with the same thing again, if not worse, in the Super Bowl. You mentioned the uh, Chiefs defense, Chris Jones, two sacks. We talked about this last week where he hadn't had a playoff sack. Is he going to show up? He showed up big time. Frank Clark was good uh, as well, too. But for me, Trevor, the Cincinnati running game, we've talked about it before. I mean, they were fantastic against Buffalo, but we've seen at times where they disappear. That running game was non-existent yesterday. And when you look at what they did on the ground, Joe Burrow was your leading rusher. With 30 yards yesterday. He was your leading rusher. Joe Mixon carried the ball eight times for 19 yards. 1-9-19. And then uh, Perrine carried the ball five times for 22 yards. Uh, you're not going to win you know, football games like that. Again, why did the Bengals abandon this running game when it was so proficient the week earlier against Buffalo? Well, part of the reason was, and we talked about this in, in previewing this game, that you know, I picked Cincinnati to uh, to beat Buffalo in part because the offensive line with the three injured starters was probably going to face a, a, a defense that had to deal with a very slick field. And it turned out it wasn't just slick, it was snowy. 
and that slows them down. It takes away the defense's ability to drive off the ball, to do extreme cuts in terms of slants and stunts, to turn the corner on the edge. And when the offensive line is bigger, they just sort of ooze off the ball, just kind of move off the ball and lean on them, and they don't have the traction to stop you as well. And that helps, right? That's one thing I was worried about in this game, and I picked Cincinnati anyway because uh, of Burrow. But we'll get to that in a minute. And so the, the offensive line for Cincinnati wasn't able to handle what Kansas City was doing on defense. Now, part of it, too, was that I think there was a, a decision that they were going to ride with the best player on their team, and that's Burrow. They ran, they ran it 17 times, uh, and they threw it 41. And, you know, and it's not that they were trailing tremendously in this game and they just had to throw caution to the wind. I think they realized that their offensive line wasn't going to be able to assert their will. And why are you handing it off and letting three backup offensive linemen determine your ceiling when you've got Joe Burrow back there who can get the ball out very quickly? And to the credit of the Cincinnati Brain Trust, early on he got sacked and sacked and sacked. And then they started keeping running backs in and tight ends in, and he had a little bit more time to throw. Um, and uh, and so things started to work a little bit better. Still, he wasn't all that effective at getting the ball down the field. He only averaged six and, six and a half yards per throw. But I think a, a, a re, part of the reason that they decided not to run the ball that well was when they saw that it wasn't working, they figured, look, we got to put the ball in the arm of Burrow and trust him to get the ball out quickly because otherwise we're trusting three backup offensive linemen to take us to the Super Bowl. When you go over to the NFC game, just a terrible game, terrible dud of a game, and you know we'll give credit to Philadelphia, but we, we did not see the best of San Francisco. Trevor, I have never, ever seen a playoff game where a team ran out of quarterbacks, and that's exactly what happened. Have you ever seen anything like this? No, no. I mean, when you start the game with your third-string quarterback and, and then he, he gets injured, and by the way, we just got the information in uh, that he tore his UCL. This is Brock Purdy now, the quarterback with the 49ers. That's the ulnar collateral ligament, which is in your elbow, and apparently it was a complete tear. At least that's the report that I heard. So when the four-string quarterback, Josh Johnson, went in there, um, he ended up getting hurt. He got a concussion. And they put Purdy back in, and he wasn't able to throw at all because his arm was flopping around. Um, they probably should have just put McCaffrey back in there as a wildcat. The announcers were talking about that during the game, and I thought that was a smart a smart point to make. And just you have an extra blocker in there and let him do a jump pass once in a while. But if the defense knows you're not going to throw it anyway, then why have the quarterback on the field? That kind of a thing, you know. And so I, I've never seen that before. But I'll tell you what, there's a lot of, there's a lot of directions to go with that. Because there's a lot of conversation today about how silly the NFL rule is to have 53 guys on the roster that are getting paid full pay, practice, full practice, not practice squad guys. There's another 16 on the practice squad. 53 guys, and I think it's only 46 of them, can be active for game day. The rest of them have to be inactive. So you could have in those guys from 46 to 53 extra offensive linemen, extra quarterbacks, extra in case you need them. And I think part of the conversation now is that, that the fact that the NFL has that bonehead move, because you're paying them anyway, meant that in this huge showcase game, the NFC Championship game, the fans didn't get to see the best product that they would have gotten to see 
had the 49ers had more guys active to deal with the injuries that they were dealing with. And, and most teams, some teams carry three quarterbacks on the active roster, but very few teams carry three quarterbacks, excuse me, on the active, on the 53 man right. roster. But very few teams carry three quarterbacks active on game day on the 46 man roster, right? And so most of the time there's only two quarterbacks there. And so would the game have been different if they had had a quarterback who could throw for three quarters of that game, even if he was a a fourth string quarterback, at least he could throw at all because the guy that ended up playing that game was Purdy who came back in after his injury because Johnson got a concussion and it was clear to everybody he wasn't going to be able to throw at all. And so the NFL has this showcase game where, you know, it, it's not the best product on the field that it could have been. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's a change to that rule and we see them activating all 53 of them going forward. When you look at the Eagles, they've had a great season, really didn't end the season very very well. And you can make the case, like we talked about last week, where, I mean, they beat you know, not a whole lot of winning teams, a bunch of teams with, with nine and eight records. And then you open the playoffs against the Giants, a team that you dominated three times, you know, twice during the regular season. You beat them rather handily. And then you face a San Francisco team yesterday that doesn't have a quarterback, that is, you know, can't throw a pass in the second half. I mean, literally can't throw a pass. How... Does this prepare you for facing the Kansas City Chiefs? And do you think that the, you know, that the Eagles, I mean, they've kind of been a benefactor here of having home field advantage, the first round bye, and, you know, facing the two teams that they faced. What kind of effect does it have on them as they prepare for the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl? You know, I don't know that it'll have a, a tremendous amount of effect. Uh, the Eagles, you're right. I mean, they beat those teams that you mentioned that weren't very good and in their division. Dallas was up and down. Washington is, you know, Washington actually beat them, but, uh, but, you know, they couldn't really throw the ball all that well. Um, and I talk about this from a standpoint of stats because from a statistical standpoint, the Eagles defense was fantastic. You know, just absolutely fantastic. When it comes to sacks in the regular season, I believe it was they led the league in sacks by a country mile. They had 70 team sacks and Kansas City was number two with 55. Now, I don't think that that includes this last week of games, but the uh, but the but the defense, you know, the secondary is very good. The linebackers are active. The D line gets after the quarterback. You know, if they have a flaw, it's that teams that can run usually run pretty well against them, but they end up having to abandon the run because they uh, and the offense ends up scoring so many points so quickly that opposing teams have to start throwing it. So it hasn't been a problem so far for them. Um, from a standpoint of, of their weakness being exposed. Um, and so I, I think they're going to be okay. Plus, see, when you look at this game, we'll see as time goes on who practices and to what degree. But Kansas City is banged up, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've got four receivers, three wideouts, and their tight end, Travis Kelsey, that are some degree of banged up or out. And I don't know who's going to be ready, to what degree they'll be ready. Um, and that matters, too. I mean, Philly is largely – healthy. I mean, their right guard went down in that game with an elbow, I think, in the second half. And I don't know how, I don't know if he came back or, or what his situation was. But overall, Philly's pretty healthy. You know, and again, we have to put an asterisk on that to see how healthy Jalen Hurts' shoulder is. Um, but, you know, Philly, or the, the Chiefs right now are really messed up. And so I, I'm leaning right now Philly because 
I, 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 I don't know that Mahomes is going to have that many people to throw the ball to. You know, I think it's going to be, it's going to be a problem. And so, you know, I think the Chiefs or the Eagles are very, 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 very good. Uh, they've got a solid offensive line. They've got good running backs. They've got a dual threat quarterback and we'll see how healthy he can be because he'll need to be healthy because the Chiefs can get after him. You know, they've got multiple dynamic elite receiving threats on the edge and Devontae Smith and, uh, AJ Brown. And they're good at tight end. I mean, this is, it's hard to find exploitable weaknesses on the Chiefs on either side of the ball to the extent that you would think that you can beat them there. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to it. We got two weeks uh, to wait, Trevor. And uh, you've been around long enough. You played in the era where sometimes, you know, the NFL would go back and forth with this, where they would, you know, not take a week off. And then sometimes, and then they went back to, you know, permanently where uh, they did take the week off. You got two weeks in between the championship game and the Super Bowl. Uh, which do you prefer uh, as a player? Well, you know, I, I think taking, taking the week off is, uh, is good because you can really enjoy the moment. But sometimes enjoying the moment is not what you want to do. You know, I mean, enjoying the moment, I think, on a human level is nice. Uh, I mean, when the Patriots won the Super Bowl my rookie year, um, it was 1985. So it was before either you were born. And, uh, and I didn't get to play in that game. I was injured and, and on injured reserve. And I watched that game in street clothes. So I didn't get to play. It was the Patriots and Bears in New Orleans. And, you know, I'm wandering around the, the French Quarter and walked into a restaurant. And there's Jim McMahon, the Bears quarterback, who was a teammate of mine at BYU. He's like, hey, how's it going, man? And so, we, you know, we talked a little bit and all that. Things like that are, they're, they're just fun. They're just part of it. You'd be out and about and you enjoy the ambiance. But as an NFL player, what you're used to is, uh, week to week to week to week. From a mental standpoint, it's much better for guys to play again the next week. But I will say this, that at this point in the season, guys have already played 17 regular season games. And now these teams had a bye um, in the playoffs, and then they played two more. So they've already played 19 games. And there's a lot of conversation also going on there right now um, about whether or not, because of all the injuries that we saw especially with the Chiefs and their little guys, you know, they're tied into their receivers. And, um, question as to whether or not that's too many games, that there might be a limit to how many games the human body can take before it starts breaking down. That's just one extra regular season game. And they didn't have a buy in the postseason, but that's part of the conversation now, which I think brings us back to, you know, you have 53 guys on the, on the active roster. So you can sub guys out a little bit, not an extra game, but maybe not as many plays as they would have had ordinarily. So you take that in to answer your question. Is it better to have the week off or to just go the next week? I think right now, because of the 17 game regular season with pretty much everybody playing with some sort of injuries with that extra game under their belt. They darn well better have an extra game before the Super Bowl, or else the Super Bowl might not be the best product that the NFL can put out there. Because you got a bunch of guys that are playing with too injured, too banged up to give their best performance. Trevor, quick question for you: If we're talking rule changes, you being a lineman, how do you like the push play? With uh, before you couldn't do that, now it's legal. It's not football. I don't like it. I put that out on Twitter yesterday and got got a lot of. Uh, feedback both ways on it um it is in my opinion dangerous 
the rule is you can't assist the player to go forward, but they've interpreted it as you can't um, pull a player. Because, but you know, you but that's definitely them. assist. When you're pushing someone, you're definitely assisting them, whether no, it's, it's push definitely pull. assisting. That's yeah. right. And, and, you know, there can be, like, one of the Philadelphia, the Philadelphia touchdown where they just lined up around a couple of quarterback sneaks where everybody all piled in, looked like victory formation, right? Right. And you just knew what was going to happen. Um, you know, one of the guys that was doing the pushing was behind the quarterback, but he was actually kind of just on the side of him pushing a defender to keep that defender from, uh, you know, getting into the quarterback's legs. You know, so the, the, the officials need to, you know, they need to know what's being pushed and what isn't. But I think it's dangerous, and here's why. When you are one-on-one with an opposing player, you hit that player, he hits you, there's a certain amount of force that's expected that you train for. But now if another guy comes up behind him, the opposing player, and slams into him, it'll collapse you. And, you know, that happens all the time on, on defense where, you know, a runner is being gang-tackled and guys just come piling in. But to me, it's the same thing on offense now when you do that push. Now you've got all that extra pressure uh, on that quarterback or on the, you know whoever, usually it is the quarterback that's getting pushed, but certainly the offensive ball carrier who's being pushed from behind and then all those players in the front that are pushing from that direction and there's nowhere for him to go but to pop by a water balloon, for goodness sake. And, you know, I don't know how many injuries we've seen. I don't, I don't know if somebody has, has tracked that, but I can tell you as someone that's been in the middle of piles where people are piling in from both sides, not just one, I don't think it's safe. You know, some things are inherently dangerous. Anyhow, Mahomes, when he uh, fumbled that ball, he went, to, he went to throw it and it popped out of his hand, and um, Cincinnati ended up recovering. Well, Mahomes was reaching for it with his right hand. Mahomes was laying on his belly, reaching with his right arm, kind of parallel to the ground. And the player, I think it might have been Osai, that jumped on that, that fumble for Cincinnati also jumped on Mahomes' right arm. And then you have to do that in a fumble because you got to do everything you can to, to reach it. But you're reaching out and people are, are diving on your arm. Nothing you can do about that. But they did take a lot of the collisions on kickoff out of the game, right, by changing the rule so that you don't have as many collisions on kickoffs because you now have more touchbacks and there's a fair catch rule and stuff like that. And when it comes to that bush push, I think they can also uh, help their players and take away something that's risky. I just don't like that from a safety standpoint. He is Trevor Maddich. Trevor, we appreciate you joining. We cannot leave this show, though, without bringing up a a food question here. And uh, before you got on, a little, little heated discussion happened. So uh, I know Marco's dying to ask you a, a food question. And I'm sure you, you, you won't mind that at all, right? Oh, are you kidding? <laughs> I have all the answers, and I am right. That's what we do. All right. Uh, in any of your travels to Cincinnati, have you had Skyline Chili? I have. Verdict. Hold on. Survey says drum roll, please. That's awesome. This is just for me. You know, there's three verdicts, right? There's guilty and not guilty. Uh, excuse me. And then there's overrated. In my personal opinion, Skyline Chili is overrated. I do not get it. That a boy, Trent. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. What was that sound effect you played? What? How does that equate? What is that? Because our That's me and Marco man, right? just died. You Marco just died. Thank yeah. you. Oh, Tre- you. Oh, okay, I got you. Trevor and TC one. Marco Numchuck nil. 
There you go. Yeah, well, Marco's ahead of me on the picks, though. So, you know, I got to, I got maybe I'll have to eat Skyline Chili as penance if I, if I don't uh, tie him up in the Super Bowl. Please do, do not make that a food bet. Okay. We, there, there are delicacies galore that, uh, the, the winner can, can reap on. And Skyline well, Chili is not one shot, of them. Though. I was ahead of him by a game or two, and he said, I'm just coming up on the outside. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Marco, I got this. And then all of a sudden, Marco <laughs> went on a run, and I had some bad breaks. And next thing you know, Marco's ahead. And Marco, I've got to tell you, I am in pain. <laughs> Well, listen. While you're, you know, having that high ankle sprain, you know, and use the horse racing reference. I mean, Marco is a horse owner. Marco eats like a horse. It kind of sometimes resembles Mister Ed. Uh, there, there it is. <laughs> what if, what if we kidnap one of his horses and, and barbecue it? Oh, oh no, we would never do that. We love horses. That's right. We would never do that. Uh, Are you a racehorse owner, Marco? Yes, harness racing. Okay, uh, is, is the horse nice or is he mean? Uh, we've, I've got it's four. Similar, they're, they're nice. One's named after my wife, so she's you know she can be a little moody. <laughs> <laughs> That's strong. Uh, all right, brother. Well, we appreciate the time uh, as always. Uh, we'll talk to you again as we get ready to hype this thing up and uh, talk a little more Super Bowl. But uh, great stuff as usual, my friend. Great analogy, and hopefully uh, you enjoyed the game uh, with some of your, uh, your your favorite food choices yesterday. Yes, it was. Uh, my wife is amazing chef, and so it was quite a day. All right, good friend, good deal, my friend. All right, we'll talk to you later, Trev. I appreciate you. Thanks, guys. There he is, Trevor Manich. There it is. See, you get to sit with Trevor on, on, on a Friday during the best bets, and then you sit with him on Monday. And what do you do? I mean, it's like you you bring out a skyline chili reference. Hey, we had we had to take the vote. So it's nobody two, two. outside it's of two. Cincinnati likes that. Nobody. I'm from Pittsburgh. It's not bad. Like I said, you're in that corridor over there, okay? So that's kind of vicinity for you. Cincinnati, you know, we're doing weather forecast. Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, the same weather. Uh, it's on the opposite side of the state. It's closer <laughs> to Kentucky, okay? That's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. All right. We come back. Uh, Marco and I are going to talk about the uh, point spread line that was announced for Super Bowl 57. And then also talk about uh, winners and losers at the book uh, as well. Plus, we got Aces News to talk about UNLV right here on this magnificent slash manic or chilly Monday. <laughs> Turn your head and cough. Here's the doctor, T.C. Martin. <laughs> Don't forget, cool in the gang coming your way at the Westgate a week from this weekend. All right, February 10th and 11th. We'll have tickets to give away. Put you in the house. That's right. Weren't we doing this at dinner Friday night, Marco? I don't know if you were participating or not. We were just rolling off Cool in the Gang songs. We are going, hey, it's going to be a celebration. It's going to be a ladies' night. Maybe Joanna will be there. Double B was very adamant about not liking Joanna. <laughs> Even though he had told the story that he had worked with the Joanna. And uh, she uh, knew uh, every word of that song. Unlike you, probably. But, uh, <laughs> Marco, I bet you do know the words to Jungle Boogie, though, because it's mostly instrumental. <laughs> your wife. Your wife would probably know know some Cool in the Gang of lyrics, don't you think? Uh, I actually was shocked whenever uh, she told me she wanted to go see Cool in the Gang. <laughs> I, that's not one I would have expected. I would have lost that one. She's got style, man. She's got style. She's got class. She's with me. What do you expect? Well, I, here we, I, I didn't say that. Uh, Are you crazy? <laughs> All right, man. So the line opened last night. At Pickham, 
I don't think a lot of people knew that. Okay, when the Westgate opened the line last night for Super Bowl 57 after the conclusion of the Chiefs' victory over the Bengals, uh, they opened Pickham. It quickly got bet up to Philadelphia as high as two and a half, and then it got settled in at two. So now we are seeing a consensus um, line of the Eagles favored by two points for this Super Bowl. Initial thoughts when you see the line. Okay, two things. One, as soon as the game was over, I set my number. Okay. And I set my number at Kansas City 2 and 51. There was another book in town that set that came out early. Sarka came out first. And they had two and a half on Cincinnati. And in 14 minutes. Cincinnati's not playing. Not Cincinnati. They had Kansas City Kansas, 2 and a half. Okay. Kansas City 2 and a half in 14 minutes. It went to two and a half Philadelphia. Wow. It only took 14 minutes. So they actually opened it over there as it Kansas City's a favorite. Yeah. The uh, sports book uh, guy over there, Jeffrey Benson, yeah. he, he went on Twitter and says, guess we put a bad number up because we got $20,000 max bets come in right away. And in 14 minutes, we had to move it. Here we go. And I don't know if it's a bad number. See, people jump at that just because they see all this, you know, sharp money coming in to, to move the line. Again, remember, sharp money doesn't necessarily mean people are sharp. It means they got a lot of money and they're pushing the line. Okay. And I know you can have a, a debate about that. But anyway, that's what moves the line. The amount of money moves the line and people. The last thing that they saw was a dominating performance by the Philadelphia Eagles against a quarterbackless team. And I'm going to be talking about this for the next two weeks because I'm not exaggerating. It's a, a, I've never ever seen a team be quarterbackless. And that is the fact of what happened. They did not have a capable quarterback. They didn't even have a real quarterback to finish that game. Their third string quarterback, Brock Purdy, left during the first San Francisco 49ers series. Yeah. So then you had Josh Johnson, the career journeyman, who's just through two passes this entire year. He's one for two in a game against Tampa Bay midseason. And again, he doesn't play. He's been, you know, 13 years, you know, 14 teams. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. And then when he got concussed, they had to bring Purdy back and Purdy wasn't allowed to throw the ball. So it was a team in the championship game that was quarterbackless. So for people to react like that, it just shows me it's like, oh, you know, again, look at the whole body of work of who the Eagles beat, who they lost to. Um, and I just don't, don't think that you can just judge a team by betting on the Super Bowl this quickly within hours after you just saw a team, you know, whitewash a team that was, you know, didn't have a quarterback. I think they're thinking when they saw Kansas City come out the favorite is that is as high as it possibly can get. Um, they figure if, like Trevor said in the last segment, Mahomes could have done more damage to the ankle in yesterday's game. So we're assuming two weeks he's going to be better. He may not be. He could still be limited. So them jumping on that number doesn't surprise me because they're going to figure that's the only time I'm going to get Philadelphia plus points in this in this matchup and there was enough money early. And remember when you're betting early, the books in anybody you talk to will tell you they'll move the lines quicker on off of the openers than they will once right. they, once they get to a number. Right. So they generally say they'll take one or two bets based on their number. And then when the third and fourth bets coming in from respected people, they start moving it quick. And they watch Patrick Mahomes 
struggle with the injury, knowing that he probably re-aggravated it. So you've got that factor. But don't you think that you got to take into consideration the experience factor. This is a perennial Super Bowl team. They're going to their third Super Bowl in four years. The Eagles won a Super Bowl. Their only Super Bowl they won. They've been four times. This will be their fourth time. They've been three times. They're, they're one and two, and they won in the 2017-18 season. So that was in February of 18 where they defeated the Patriots. Um, and again, n- not a whole bunch of people left over from that team. There are some but, you know, when you have an experienced guy like Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and guys on that team who have been there for a while, I think you you, you got to factor in, you know, that aspect when you're making the line and then, you know, as you're really starting to handicap this thing. That's why I put the number. I thought yeah. KC would be the favorite and I thought they would be under the field goal because they are close. And I told you Friday, you know, when we were talking during one of the breaks when we were off the air, one of my biggest Super Bowl bets was the 49ers against Miami the year that Dan Marino made his first trip to the Super Bowl. Jalen Hurts reminds me a lot of that scenario because if Kansas City is healthy, they're a prolific offense like the 49ers were back in the day. And if Jalen Hurts in his first Super Bowl, if that stage is a little bit too big for him, yeah, the experience factor is all Kansas City. Let's uh tell you about the the line movement just to kind of illustrate it for you. Now, it's 7:08 p.m. last night. The line go opens as the Kansas City Chiefs a two and a half point favorite over the Eagles. All right. Uh within a minute later, it drops down to Kansas City one and a half. Then you go two minutes later at 7.10 p.m., it's it's Kansas City minus one. At 7.12 p.m., it goes to a pick'em. Uh, 7.13, it now goes to the Eagles minus one. At 7.15, it goes to one and a half. Then it jumps up to Philly minus two at 7.17 p.m., it's 7.22, a whole five minutes pass. Then it goes up to two and a half and basically stays that way until where it is now. So you're right. I mean, just, you know, within a 12 to 14 minute span, all that movement. And it kind of goes back to what you were talking about before about, you know, going back to the Stardust line back in the day and, and, and at the Westgate, as you mentioned at the Westgate, where you'd be down there Sunday night and all of a sudden, boom, 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 boom. I mean, it's like a scene from Trading Places with uh, Dan Aykroyd and, and Eddie Murphy going crazy. It's one of those things that with the books, you know, a lot of people say that if you're sharp and you're, you know, you're winning all the time that, you know, you might get limited or, you know, run off from a book. If I'm a book, I want the Sharps playing there because you let them attack the first number. And you talk about uh, Stardust. Back in the day, they had what was called the outlaw line. Right. Before they opened it up to the public, they let known Sharps, you know, advantage players, whatever, have the shot at that line. The trade-off was we're letting you bet into the number, the raw numbers. They gave them limits, but they let them bet it. But that helped them correct their numbers before they opened it up to the masses. So wouldn't you rather maybe lose a few thousand dollars, 20,000 or something to have somebody correct your market for you when you're going to be taking, you know, handles of, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on a game? No doubt. Uh, you look at the Chiefs, like we said, third Super Bowl in four years. 
uh, defeated San Francisco in 2020. Then they lost the following year to Tampa Bay and to Tom Brady in 2021. And like we said with the Eagles, they'll be making their fourth Super Bowl uh, appearance in franchise history. And they did win, like I said, over the Patriots in the 2017 slash 2018 season. So it'll be interesting. Now, how strong do you feel about this game right now? Are you one of these guys that, okay, you kind of made up your mind or you just kind of got to let this marinate for a while because you have that time now. You know, it's, it's again, this is unlike any other week, you know, where you got that extra, extra time to really soak it all in. Because of the situation with Patrick Mahomes and the wide receivers, when we talk about, you know, injuries, they've got a cluster at, at the wide receiver spot. We got to see who's going to be available. That's key. If everybody, if all hands are on deck, I think right now my initial read is to Kansas City because of the experience factor. Because, you know, we're, and you're going to hear it for the next 14 days. Everybody's going to talk about how easy it was for Philadelphia. And it was, but it is what it is. They're here. It's one game. Now they got to see what happens. And everybody said that last year that Cincinnati didn't belong, mm-hmm. but yet they may, they were one play away from winning the game. So chip on the shoulder actually would probably go to Philadelphia in this case. Because they're going to be hearing about it. Oh, they're going to hear it at nauseum in every talk show, and we're going to talk about it and break it down. Mm -hmm. But the facts are the facts. Look at the list of quarterbacks that they played this year. Mm -hmm. They had a soft schedule. Mm -hmm. And don't forget the beginning of the year, we talked Friday. How about, you know, all of the turnovers that they benefited from the first half of the season? All right. A lot to talk about as we hype up uh, Super Bowl 57 between the Chiefs and the Eagles. On Saturday, we had the breaking news uh, with the Las Vegas Aces that Candace Parker will be signing with the Aces. It is not official. The Aces uh, have not commented and not allowed to comment. They won't comment on us. They may comment maybe as early as Wednesday because Wednesday is when the WNBA free agent signing period uh, gets underway. But Candace Parker went uh, to social media on Saturday morning and said that she was signing with the Las Vegas Aces. She goes that uh, my family is uh, my main reason and my main purpose, and they have given me the greatest joys I've ever experienced and continue to show me in their levels of love. And we decided that Las Vegas would be the perfect spot for us with the Aces organization. And I'm a West Coast girl, so I'd like to come back to the West Coast and uh, play with the Las Vegas Aces. Now, Candace Parker is a Chicago native, went to the University of Tennessee, great career, played under Pat Summit back in the day, uh, started her WNBA career with the L.A. Sparks, and uh, won a championship there. Chelsea Gray was her former teammate there in 2016. Then she went to Chicago, played the last two seasons with the Sky, where she led the Sky to a championship two seasons ago. Candace Parker is one of the greatest players the WNBA has ever seen. She has a laundry list of accolades. Uh, this is only a one-year deal. Um, so at 36 years old, she wants one more shot at it. And, um, you know, people are talking about the Dierka Hamby situation and that move. Well, Kind of what we alluded to last week that, you know, that move was made to free up money for either Candace Parker or Brianna Stewart. And I know that the Aces were, you know, co- contemplating either one of them. Uh, Candace Parker made the decision early on, not even waiting till the free agency period gets underway on Wednesday. And she says, I want to come here. So it's not official. 
but we know it's a one-year deal. She's a two-time WNBA champion, one of the greatest players of all time. Uh, you can rank her right behind Lisa Leslie and some of the, the, the you know, Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi. There's Candace Parker, and she's been relatively healthy, um, even though she's 36 years old. So what a starting lineup and uh, what uh, an amazing roster the Aces already have. But now you add Candace Parker. Um, you know, people are going to be saying, oh, they're the favorites and, uh, to Pete. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But very excited. Uh, and I got a chance to talk to Candace Parker over the years and she's, she's, she's special. She's, she's a pro. She's a U.S. Olympian. She's gold medalist. So she's played with Asia Wilson and Chelsea Gray. And, you know, it's, uh, I'm really looking forward to, to this. This is going to be great. Is she fun? She's fun. Is she going to have fun on the TZ Martin show? What do you think? <laughs> Don't the, I mean, they all do. I mean, they but, all do. But you're right. You know, she has got this bubbling personality. She's got a smile. Uh, but I'll tell you what, she's an intense contribute, uh, competitor too. Yeah. She's very intense, but no, she has got that, that fun side. You'll okay. like her. Yeah, Sweet. Yeah. She's fun. She's very, very fun. So, uh, that's good news there. Uh, aces, uh, in the news. So we'll continue to talk about that on Wednesday. And then, uh, UNLV defeats, uh, UNR 68-62. UNLV improves to 14-7. They needed the those two victories over Wyoming and a good crowd, over 8,000 on hand at the Thomas & Max Saturday night. That followed up the women's where they are continue to roll. So shout out to the women's team and Lenny LaRock. And uh, Kevin Kruger's men's team now 3-6, and six, but 8,300 in the house Saturday. And that was a very good basketball game. Rivalry game. Uh, Got to show up and win. Get a couple more conference wins before March Madness. There you go. Do you play the uh, Mountain West much at all? Uh, there's Is a few it? teams in there. You know, I like yep. to find the right spots. Yep. I didn't. I wasn't involved in that one on yeah. Saturday. And I, I was involved with the UNLV, only laying one. I thought they it was a good spot for them, and Reno had struggled on the road and they continued to struggle the other night. Sad note today that uh, Bobby Hull passed away, the Golden Jet. Uh, Bobby Hull, 12-time All-Star, longtime Chicago Blackhawk legend, also played with the Winnipeg Jets. And again, the Golden Jet, because he's a, he's a Canadian skater. Just amazing player. Very, very sad that Bobby Hull uh, passes away at the age of 84. Yeah, uh, condolences to his family and uh, one of the greatest of all time. No question about that. And I know Blackhawk fans missing Bobby Hull as well as, well as Winnipeg Jets fans. All right, I want to thank Trevor Madge for uh, joining us today. Marco, we appreciate you being here, my man. Always great having you uh, breaking down the game and so much to talk about today. Yeah, always fun being here. You got it. We'll continue on here despite uh, your love for Skyline Chili. That's okay. <laughs> Food always precedence here. Terrible Tuesday takes tomorrow. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website, tcmartinshow.com. Uh, check out our little uh, recap from the NFL Championship Sunday yesterday. Start previewing the Super Bowl for the next couple weeks. Our interview up on the website uh, as well, too. We've got that, uh, the classic interview page, the current interview page, and then uh, also a lot of great stuff there uh, on the feature interview page as well too so go check everything out at tcmartinshow.com or wherever you get your podcasts for nubchuck tc saying so long have yourself a good one back at it again tomorrow at two the tc martin show is here yeah boy if you can't listen live, go to tcmartinshow.com anytime. Listen to the podcast, check out the blog, and see the star-studded photo gallery. 
Get your daily dose of the doctor. T.C. Martin online at tcmartinshow.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and be an active part of the show anytime, anywhere. It's the most entertaining and informative sports talk show on the planet. The T.C. Martin Show. There is no better place for all your football action than the world-famous Superbook at the Westgate Las Vegas. Come and experience the high-action entertainment at the best race in sportsbook. The largest in the world with 30,000 square feet of heart-racing action with 350 seats and a massive 220-foot by 18-foot 4K video wall. Join us every Sunday for the best NFL viewing party in Las Vegas in the International Theater. With 1,500 seats in a non-smoking environment, it's simply the best place to root on your favorite teams. Enjoy the games on the 11 Giant HD.